0: Hello everyone, this is Brooke Lurie, the Brooke Lurie Podcast. With me is my friend and producer, Ari David. Today, and always a pleasure, always, that, and I mean that Ari. Uh, today, I want to talk about the difference between men and women. Yeah, there's a difference. No. Yeah, I, I just found it out. And it turns out, it goes beyond, wouldn't you know it, beyond the obvious physical differences. Yeah, I'm telling you. No I, Yeah I did some research on this And it turns out They are different Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> but look like, I mean, Many people talk about this subject of course And uh, it is fascinating It's one of the things that help us learn about ourselves as men To understand how women are so different from us And so we, we understand ourselves In contradistinction to what they are And vice versa They understand Themselves, by way of understanding boys and men, right? So, for example, the classic thing is, is a mom who, who is discovering that her boy loves to blow things up, or at least to pretend it is his mind to blow things up, right? And the whole thing with the, the toy cars and the toy trains and, and the swords and the bad guys and the good guys, right? It, it, it's totally alien to her. But in the process of her noticing her son doing that, she begins to, a little, to understand a little bit about herself, right? She says, look, you know, my, my instinct is to nurture. But if everyone were the same, let's say we're all nurturers, or for that matter, all playing with cars and such. But let's just stick with the nurturing thing. If, if all of us nurtured, we wouldn't even have the context, the ability to objectively see ourselves as nurturers, right? And, and, and much the same way you don't think about you don't say, we're an oxygen breather, right? We, we, we don't need that to, to define ourselves, right? We, we don't. But if you were look at, at a fish and, and the opposite sex was a, a water breather or a lava breather, for that matter, let's say, just for fun, then you would say, ah, one of the big distinctions between men and women is that men breathe oxygen and women breathe lava. Okay? You, you would see that in context. Do, do, you you're, you're following me so far? Okay, good. You're nodding your head. Good. Yes, I That's always... I've followed
1: you to this point. <laughs> to this point. Lead me more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I uh, will. So, so if we were all nurturers or if, if men didn't have the, uh, the, the desire to, you know, play with cars when they're little and play with trains and to imagine good guy and bad guy uh, fights such as cowboys and Indians and cops and robbers, if we didn't have that and we're all nurturers, well, though we wouldn't define ourselves as nurturers, Right. And yet, here we are, right? The boys like to play, generally speaking, what they do, and the girls like to play what they do. And as a consequence, it's a great opportunity to see the differences between men and women and to ask the question, why is it so? Is there perhaps an evolutionary basis for this? Perhaps. Perhaps. Right? In the quest for, of, of women, feminists generally speaking, to, to say that men and women are exactly the same, they never ask the question, why is it that they, that they seem to be so different? Why? That they want to force a fit, but they, they don't benefit from understanding the, the logical reasons why there's a difference in the first place. And so when you don't, when you don't accept those differences, and you don't ask the questions... Then you end up with very silly results. So here, as I see it, are the reasons why men and women are different. And it should be very plain. This is a forewarning. What I'm about to say should be as obvious as daylight. It's just so clear as day. Okay. Boys need, well, let's start off with women. Women like to nurture. That's why they play with dolls. It's practice for their mommyhood. Women also have a sense of guilt when they are full-time uh, working and also are moms. They they feel like they're they're doing the wrong thing if if they don't uh, fully participate with their children at the same time while they work. So their their aching to be with their kids is very strong. Question: Why, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, women uh, constantly need that sense of uh, validation of of how important it is. That, uh, as to what they do, they take great pride in their motherness, to, for lack of a better phrase, their mommyhood, their, you know, th- their ability to soothe a baby when he's crying, uh, to to know, you know, when he's uh, sick, to understand um, that that they have to take care of uh, the baby for, you know, when when he wakes up in the middle of the night, all those obvious things. For men, it's different. For men, w- regarding kids. You know, yeah, we, we want to take care of the kids and, you know, we want to get it right. But, you know, we want to just make sure they survive, <laughs> they, that they don't die, right? So go to the doctor when he's clearly sick. 102 degrees, okay. When we, our function is to take him to the doctor, fix the problem, bring him back. Good. Johnny's okay again. That's the idea. And yeah, we want to enroll him in soccer and maybe football and kung fu or whatever it is. Because uh, that's good for their their bringing up, but for a woman, it's it's their essence. It, it brings them. It's it's what how they define themselves. And by contrast, men view their work as their defining moment, right? They, I what I do as a lawyer, I want to be really good as a lawyer. It's my my thing, and I don't just come here and push the papers and hope to make some money as a result of it. No, I, I want to do my craft in the best way possible. I want people to think of me as Barack Lurie, very good lawyer, okay? And I want to bring, in, bring home the bacon, as it were, and take care of my family. That's important to me. So when women laugh at us to some extent, when they say, oh, well, he's, he feels threatened because I, the woman, make more money or the same amount of money than he does, And he feels threatened, huh, that fragile male ego, mm, right? But they have the same thing. It it doesn't have to do with how much money they bring in. Their ego is bruised when you, the father, can show that you can do something better than they do as a mom. If you happen to soothe your baby easier or your baby comes to you for, for support and love and affection and just gets along with you better, it, it really hurts, it aches a woman when she sees that. And she feels threatened. Yeah, threatened, just the same way as a man feels threatened when his wife makes the same or even more than he makes. That's why. And it, it really begs the question, why, why, why? Why do we have this? And when, I'm gonna get to a different point in a moment. And the, the different point is, if you are a feminist, Why would you want to be? Why ever would you want to be? We'll get to that in a moment. We said about the why. Okay, could it be that maybe God, nature if you want, wants us to have that nurturing aspect and wants us to have the adventurous, you know, go out and conquer aspect? Not just for boys, but also for the girls. To to kind of see both and that both need that, in different ways, right? I mean, Ari, you're a father. You, you, you know, there's a part of you, and I've seen you in action. You know, you're the one kind of saying, "Girls, you know, I think you can do this. Do it, do it on your own." You, you you encourage their independence, right? I've seen that. You're nodding your head. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to speak. No, it's fine. It's yes, fine. Yes. That's me. Guilty yeah. <laughs> as charged.
0: I'm breaking down on the stand to your cross examination. It's <laughs> a withering cross examination. <laughs> right. Uh, and your your lovely wife, um, she is the nurturer. She's the one that says, oh, it's honey, it's okay. Come over here. It's okay. And and if, you know, you'll see. Yeah, she says, it's okay, honey. I know your father called you a total
1: failure for not trying to do that, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it goes that far. But but she'll be the one... I mean, it's funny. My, my um, A good friend of mine uh, and his wife, they had a classic male-female uh, relationship, and they had a, a child, a boy. And he was in a soccer team, and I guess he was five years old or so. And... <laughs> and the boy, you know, got bruised He fell down, you know, it was a real hard push And he fell down on the grassy ground And, and the father said, uh, you know, we'll call him Johnny uh, Come on, Johnny, you can get back up let's, let's, let's have it, way to go, way to go, way to shake it off and then, Before he could even start clapping to tell him to shake it off the mother was already running out to the field. I'm coming, Johnny. <laughs> running to, to to get like her her whole instinct was to take care of this moment. And the the father was was just livid with the mother, like you've gotta let him go. And and you, you can imagine. I'm living at her. Yeah, yeah right? I want to yell at her. I'm so upset. Right. We, we have to fight our own instincts. I guess that's the point. Look, we men have to um, pay attention more to the details, the, the nuances of feelings, right? And kind of get a sense of when Johnny, to use an example, uh, just a simple name, when Johnny's uh, throwing up or, or feeling like he's throwing up, to, to, to listen to those clues and take care of Johnny. If he's really sick, really injured, yeah. needs our help. Yeah, yeah sure. And, and even when he's not, just to kind of have you know be attuned to his feelings a little bit more. It's one of our things. It's a weakness, and we have to work on it. Okay? Uh, but likewise, women have to definitely understand that They can't go running out to the field, as it were, in my example. They need to are a leash saying, on that puppy. Yeah, they, you know? they, they have to control their own emotions. We, you know, that that's the way it is, and they have to understand that sometimes, in fact, very often, you need to let Johnny go. Leave him alone. You don't always have to be on top of him. Okay, and and so it begs the question, why is this happening? Why is it always this way? Because when I parlayed that to you, Ari... You nodded your head. Yeah, that's the way it is in my family, and I can tell you that's the way it is in my family, and just about every you know standard couple has that experience. Okay, and we're talking about general generalities, of course, and I don't get sucked into oh there are exceptions. I know this gay couple this or that for that matter heterosexual couple where she's more. Yeah, we're or that, not talking about or
1: exceptions one. or rarities. We're talking about general. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you get get bogged down in the exceptions, you'll never learn anything. At the end of the day, right? So it's, let's, just, let's just face it, the, the, the big generalities are very important to study. So why is it so? Why? Could it be that nature, I think God, wants us to come together this way so that we both see each other and understand? You know, when, when my wife uh, is, is away, let's say she's on a girls weekend and something happens to my kid, I, I, try to, I always ask myself, what would my wife do in this situation? Right? But you know it's it's important because she's savvy. She she knows exactly. Uh, you know she has all the phone numbers of all the of all the emergency stuff going on. She, it, it's her job. She's organized that way. And I and I'll say, okay, where are the emergency numbers? Is there anything else I need to know? Tell me where the yeah the Benadryl for bee things, the band aids, exactly sprays, all those
1: things, right? Hydrogen peroxide, the iodine, you know.
0: Yeah, she's Johnny on oh, the spot tough. about that. Yeah. And likewise, if I'm gone, and you know she. She needs to deal with my, my boys, especially. Like, what would Barack do? What would Barack say at this particular moment? And that's, that's really healthy. You need to kind of have that balance. And sadly, people don't understand the need for the balance. The need. Do you think that
1: the feminist movement has driven us further apart and into a, a more uh, columnar structure of our speciality rather than being able to cross over and see the other side? Oh, well, you're asking whether it
0: creates more of a dichotomy than... Yes, than more divisiveness, more not being able to... Hmm. I would say no. I, I, I think that the feminist movement wants to be... I mean, Dennis Prager said it very well. He, he really calls it the masculinist movement because it's a... It's anti-masculine. It's, no, no, it's, no, no, it's the woman wanting to be men. That's why he's, she, he calls it masculinism because it's, not, that, it's not, not in favor of men. On the contrary, it's, it's a woman trying to be like men. Uh, many feminists will tell you that, for example, and it's a classic example, that the, that the woman should be, uh, when it comes to sexuality, that the woman should be more like men, that they should have more, uh, you know, loose engagements, you know, and just have, have a lot of fun there and treat sex the same way that uh, men, you know, typically treat it, which is, you know, the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am sort of thing. And uh, never mind that that doesn't work <laughs> at all. And never mind that that's not the way that women think, but this is the, the way a lot of feminists will talk. They'll say, well, we should and we will uh, treat sex as trivially as men do. OK? All right, You know that might seem like a dream to a lot of guys out there. But again, you're only making the same mistake that you made during the late 60s and the early 70s, where, where the um, sexual liberation movement, know only benefited the men you know at the end of the day all these you know all the free love movement it only helped the men the men were having a great time the women uh, they they felt completely isolated and abandoned and they felt uh, very used and they were you know at the, at the end of the day a woman likes to feel special and she and when whenever she has an engagement with a man a sexual one it, it has tremendous meaning to her and whether that's right or wrong that that we have we take less meaning to that it's just the way it is but but that's not what i'm talking about right now i want to talk about how w- women the feminist movement wants to make women into men and men into women you know hence hence the feelings department hence the self esteem department hence uh, the non violence in schools department and not even you're not even able to draw a picture of a gun all these things all kind of come together to make the distinctions between male and female completely eviscerated. And then it begs the question, why do we even have male and female in the first place? I mean, teachers, these same teachers who want to uh, eviscerate uh, all boyishness, right? These same teachers who try to teach boys about feelings and and about flowers and poetry, uh, not, of course, you know, teaching, you know, and of course embracing that for the girls. These same teachers will tell you without any hesitation wow, the boys seem to uh, kind of congregate among themselves, and the girls, they have their own congregation. I mean, you have a, your oldest one is now in, in kindergarten, right? Okay, so from her perspective, she, she's aware that the boys exist, but her world is all the girls. The boys are basically invisible. That They're basically paperweights, <laughs> the way she views them. And and likewise, the boys view the girls as invisible also. It's it's only their world. That, and they, they just gravitate toward each other. And why we even have them in the same classroom is a mystery to me. But the teachers see this. But boy, the teachers, a lot of them, they have great plans. Very, very progressive plans, I'll tell you. They're going to make them one and the same. But never mind that... You know, the, the reality on the ground is completely different. Uh, here's the main question. Why would a woman want to be like a man? Right? I mean, it's, it's the age-old inverse of the question, why can't a woman be more like a man? My question is, why would a woman want to be a man? And why would a man want to be a woman? Right? I mean, it's, but, but let's take it from the standpoint of why would a woman want to be a man? It's a, it's a real challenge. Um do, do you you know be careful what you ask for you just might get it right? Does that male pattern balding is such a thing to <laughs> That's true <laughs>
1: to strive for. Back hair. Exactly. Nose hair, ear hair. Yeah, you know oh, what a
0: what a gift. There was a there was an episode of uh the Dennis Prager Happiness Hour that I gave an idea to Dennis about it, and he took it and I was he gave me credit for it. It was very sweet of him. He didn't have to do that. But my my notion was you shouldn't too many people have what I call cafeteria happiness, which is they, they see somebody that they envy, let's say somebody who's very wealthy, for example, and they say, I would like to be just like him. Boy, if I, if I had what he had, I'd do X, Y, and... Same choice that the cafeteria that he had, I'll have, and that kind of thing. Well, no, I mean, I mean cafeteria happiness means, you'll see what I mean in a second. Oh, okay. okay. So, but what I, what I tell them, and they always kind of envy that person, envy that person, envy that person. And then I finally got, I get fed up with it, and I say, okay, fine. Poof. You're that person, and you've got his wealth. And then they seem to be pleased. You know, in, in their imagination, they seem to be pleased. And I say, but it has to go further than that. You also have to have his alcoholism, his wife who hates him, the children who can't stand him because he doesn't spend any time with them. And his severely under- Sized intimate parts. <laughs> well, I don't know perhaps. about that. I don't. Whatever. I mean, but but he's you know his his balding uh, nature, whatever it is, his his ugliness. Let's say you have to have it all. You can't choose the cafeteria stuff. Oh of
1: yes, right? yes. You can't you know, just right. choose the mashed potatoes. Yeah, exactly. You're getting you're getting the spam too.
0: <laughs> you have to have everything. Yeah. On that plate, and that's what it takes to be him. So. You know, you like certain aspects of him, but you forget that you have to take the whole picture. That's the amazing thing, and people don't don't remember that. Now, likewise, when women say they want to have what men have, you know, you I I put it to them that they, you know if you really want it all, so to speak, I put that in quotes, want it all, then then you have to really take it all. You have to have. Our sexual nature, which, by the way, is a burden. Right? We are constantly frustrated. Constantly frustrated. We we are you know a poster on the side or a a billboard on the side of a road, which a very sexy lady in a bikini. It's very distracting. It it kind of you know forces our mind and our focus elsewhere. It's not a great thing to have, and um, it's very it's completely distracting. It does not take us uh, where we want to go a lot of times. It's a waste of time in that department. Also, we have no ability or very little ability to multitask. So while that's good in some ways, um, multitasking is really a great advantage that women have. And then you you made fun of it, but at the same time, it's actually true. Would you like our baldness? Because that's what testosterone really gives us, right? It's it's related to testosterone and the hairy back that you mentioned, right? And, uh, you know, the, the lack of feminine look. I mean, it, it, it goes hand in hand, my friends. You, you can't have that. And then at the same time, you, 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 want us, you, want to be, you want to be like the men, okay? You want to be those, the leaders. You want to be the tough person. You want to be aggressive. But guess what? That comes at a cost. That means you have to kind of abandon the nurturing, the sensitive, um, the, the appealing, the beautiful, okay? They're, they're very different animals. And sure, there's
1: competition within feminine circles. You know the old mean girls construct. Yeah, but but there's it's mean enough, in a feminine way, right? But there's no uh, trying to achieve the king of the hill status as the top nurturer the way men have to knock each other off for uh, in business and competition and sport. Uh, you know, growing up, learning from other. More developed males, how to take the initiative and the inertia in situations. It's a painful set of lessons that finally results in full fledged manhood later in life. That's right. You but don't, you, uh, females attain full fledged beauty and everything by like age 22. They're in their perfect prime. In fact, some in uh, Hollywood casting circles would call 22 year olds over the hill. Right. You know, but men, we don't re- reach it until we're in our 40s or even our
0: 50s. Yeah. Uh, that's true, and we're very different animals that way, right? The, the 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 point is, that ladies, you want it, you really want it all, and if you if you only have, if you're focusing on on all the the great virtues of men, and you want that, well then you can't have it all. It's, it's you can't have cafeteria happiness, like I said. You can't have cafeteria manliness. You can't say I want to be a leader and I want to be tough and I want to. Uh, you know, I, I want to be, uh, make the most and I want to be the billionaire and all that stuff and not think that it comes at a tremendous cost for you. Let me give an example. I, I, when, when I was looking for my first car, I didn't know too much, didn't know too much about cars back then. I, I, know, I don't know very much now, by the way, but I certainly didn't know very much back then. And I went to a dealership to check out what cars are available. And I tested this car, I tested that car, you know, within a certain price range. And the, the guy, very nice, he was a salesman, he, he tried to, you know, he, he was a sales guy. And he talked to me, he goes, well, why don't you sit in my office, let's see what we can do. And then he said, what kind of car are you looking for, Mr. Lurie? And I said, you know, I think I was 22 at the time, I said, uh, I want a car that's really cheap and really powerful. <laughs> And, you know, his, he went from a smile, you know, the, the salesman's smile, to a little bit of, a, you know, just kind of a flatline smile. Not even a smile, right? Just his mouth went flatline. And he said to me, Mr. Lurie, there is no such animal. Okay? You can't have it both ways. The car is either going to be expensive <laughs> and powerful or cheap and not powerful. Okay? They have not invented a car that is both cheap and powerful. Okay? That's... That's the trade-off, my good friend, he said to me. And, I, and I, I felt a little silly about it, but it was so obvious to him, and they, I had a novice on his hand. And he says, why don't you come back when you feel like you have a little bit more money? Or if you, if you like, you know, we can sell you a cheaper car, but don't expect power out of it. He was very honest with me, and I, and I appreciated that. And that's the way it is with women wanting to be men. They want... The, all the advantages of being a woman With all the advantages of being a man And a, a man And no disadvantages of either Okay, and it, nothing will come at a cost Nothing, right They get to just, you know Be silly with the girls and go shopping And do their makeup and I don't mean this in a mock, mocking way. On the contrary, I, Those I salute it. Women enjoy. I, yeah, they, they they enjoy the beautification of themselves, right? They they enjoy the earrings, the jewelry, the the clothing, the shopping, the the kind of getting together, the a little bit of the gossip, perhaps. And again, I'm not saying it in a, in a negative way whatsoever. Women interact with each other in a very different way than men interact with each other. We we tend to kind of speak in short bursts, and women, well, they can talk about to what seems to us to be absolutely nothing, but they're engaging in this kind of parlance of, of, emotional connection that we just don't get. When men hang out, not when we're working like this, but yeah. when you and I hang out and do
1: something, there's almost no talking. Yeah. it's very, very little talking. Playing chess, watching a movie. And those are the most feminine things we might do <laughs> together. Right. There's no talking. Yeah there's, there's yeah. no sharing of feelings right and, and how would a woman feel you make a great point how would a woman feel completely cut off from any emotional experience with her best friends yeah in, in that kind of thing
0: point is there is no such animal right and and they they want that they want that all the time to to engage in the beauty stuff the, the purse stuff the the gossip talk and again i mean a healthy gossip talk like just the banter let's put it that way and at the same time They want the highbrow talk, the the talk like men, but really it comes at a big price, my my woman friends. And likewise, you know, for the men, you know, we I'm not going to ever. I I don't want to become a sensitive guy. I just don't want it. And I'd kill myself. Well, no, I would would jump in front of a bus. Some guys are, are like that. Now, here's the funny thing. I just talked to you about. The, the, the car that is cheap And also powerful right You know, And there's no such animal A lot of women when they talk about a man The perfect man They say the equivalent They say I want a man who Is strong well, and sensitive Yeah, well, no, no, no. Sorry I jumped up <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what they want And the women listening Are going to nod their heads as they hear this They want a man who make, pulls down A lot of money He's the head of some big company and a company that uh, you know, if it's a liberal company, then then that's even all the better for a lot of the liberal women out there, the feminist feminist women, you know, the the ones who found, somehow found a way to convert all trees into not trees, sorry, uh, oxygen into you know completely um, non-polluting chemicals, and uh, cars can run on it, and there's absolutely no pollutants whatsoever, and he's going to change the world Whole and market. make and make. Millions of dollars, billions of dollars, in fact In the whole process And at the same time, he knows exactly what she's thinking All the time And he has the time for her Right, oh yes, tremendous amount of time He works really hard, but oh, he always has the time for me And and he will let her dress him (laughs) and, And, you know Decide all these wonderful things for him And listen to her Talk about her anxieties And concerns about her friendships And everything else and uh, of course, go on romantic getaways all the time, and have you know, 2.5 kids, and a dog, and the white picket fence, and um, and and they'll love the mother-in-law when when she comes in to visit, and of course, they want all of that. And my lady friends out there, there is no such animal. There never has been. There never will be. And you're gonna have to make this trade-off, right? You you want a sensitive man? That's fine. There are many sensitive men out there, but I can guarantee you, a sensitive man—and I'm, I'm speaking very kind of in, in broad strokes here—but the sensitive man that you're looking for, he ain't no leader, right? He, and he's not going to be very masculine. And if you want masculine and sensitive, you just—you're just never going to see it. You just won't. You just won't get it. it. Just no such animal exists. And likewise, you know, for men are the same way. I mean, we can talk about. You know the, I mean, my ideal uh, woman, and I, I have really the most beautiful woman in the world. Believe me, I, she's she's awesome. She's great. But my ideal, if you were to ask me at the age of 25, is a woman that is not only beautiful, has a fantastic figure, but she's brilliant. She pulls down a lot of money in in her job as well, but not as much as me. Thank you very much, right? And she's a leader in every other way. And she loves politics as much as I do. And she is a mountain biker and as athletic as I like to, to pretend that I am. Right? All those things. <laughs> uh, that th- she would have to be all those things. Right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you like that, the pretend one, right? Okay. <laughs> but it's true. It's really true. And, and there is no such animal, Brucklery. You just, you know, I have to accept that fact. You know, I would love my wife to to have every one of those aspects, but you know what? You're really lucky if you have two of those things that I just mentioned, and and that's when you have a happy marriage. When you understand that, you know, if you got a beautiful woman who is just a kind person, um, and you know, kind of, you know, is able to banter with you a little bit, you're you're, you're golden. Or on the, you know, if you if you if you have a beautiful woman. And she's uh, athletic to some extent, but maybe doesn't banter with you on the politics side of it. Fine. You're good to go. I'm very happy with that, too. But to have all three things, and and then beyond that, you're not being realistic, and you'll never get married. There is no such animal. Anyway, when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, feminist issues and some other issues of the day. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Ben
1: Shapiro here with attorney Barack Lurie. One attorney to another, Barack. From our discussions, I've come away with a tremendous amount of respect for how you help your clients. In fact, I've called you with client questions. What's the one thing that you think has helped you achieve your results?
0: Ben, if there is a thing, it's having a chess-like approach to litigation. And that means planning far in advance with perspective and timing. Too many lawyers take on cases without having a plan. And if you don't have a plan... A plan happens to you. So how do you plan? Well, we push for information early to see strengths and weaknesses. We always want to be ahead of the other side. Without that, we'll never settle. Or worse, we'll settle in the dark. Clients want resolution quickly. It's what they expect of us. Folks, if you have a business or real estate dispute, I highly
1: recommend you call my friend, Barack Lurie, at 866-575-8111. 866-575-8111. 866-575-8111. 81,
0: 11. Fighting for what's right. Barack Lurie at Lurie & Seltzer. Listen to The Barack Lurie Show, Sundays at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is Barack Lurie, the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks for checking in with us. You know, it was interesting. We talked before in the previous segment about how there's really no such animal. And what, you know, we, in the car context, we talked about how, you know, there's no such thing as a car that is both very powerful and very cheap, <laughs> right? It just doesn't exist. And uh, likewise, in the, in the male world, there is no such animal as somebody who is a great provider, a great protector of the family, who's tough when he needs to be and such, and at the same time, very sensitive, right? It just doesn't exist. Um, there, are, the, the, He may go with you to the ballet, he may go with you to the opera, and and may try to you know, understand your feelings and give you flowers when it's the right time, but in the reality, he's doing it because that's what he's told to do. It's not intuitive for him. There's just no such animal. And it's funny, uh, this is a segue, and I think it, it actually is true. Um, a president cannot be, and a lead, for that matter, a leader, cannot be, on the one hand, focusing on all things you know, to protect the country, and at the same time, try to be domestically sensitive. How about that? Okay, There is no such animal, and frankly, there should not be any such animal. Indeed, I would say that the Constitution and our whole notion of governance here in America is really about one thing, for the president at least, and that is to protect the country. You are the commander in chief and that is that is your first order of business, commanding the country for purposes of protecting it. To then also try to be Mr. Sensitive and uh, try to uh, impose all sorts of regulations to make things w- what you think is more fair, um, to, to to change language of people and to constantly uh, focusing on, on you know, everything exactly fair for everyone. You know what? It doesn't work. Yet this president, President Obama, feels that he can do it all and that he will be all those things. The truth is, as we're finding, is that there is no such animal. And In reality, if you can look at the, the, the presidential role that I just talked about as a, as a masculine role, right? The president is supposed to protect. That's the masculine side. And I think that that's what we expect out of the president. This particular president has an emphasis on his feminine side. And, I, and by that, I mean all those programs that he wants to advance to, to make sure everyone's taken care of. It's the nurturing side, okay? Now, I'm not saying that there's no place for that. I think there should be very li- limited place for that because we believe in limited government, as we said. But the people who should be advancing that is not the friggin' president. All right? That's why we have legislatures. That's
1: That's why we have local government. Yeah. Where, you know, moms from the neighborhood serve on the local city council of Malibu or Manhattan
0: Beach or... Uh, Santa Monica, right? They want to beautify the the nice divider in in, in, the, in the main road downtown. Well, then by golly, let's do it. It, exactly. it will look nicer. Yeah, yeah you know, but maybe some bogen vias, uh, you know, that, that hug the the city, the town hall. Great.
1: Yeah. By those, all means, do it. Just to interject, and and the big distinction is those are not full time employment opportunities. Yeah, that's right. Those are part time work, once a week, a couple hours, quick meeting. Right. Here are the constituents, pass the
0: ordinance, right. go home. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the equivalent that I always say is it should be something similar to a, an HOA meeting, right? I mean, your homeowners association meeting where, uh, you know, you really don't want to go to them, right? I mean, it's not as if you look forward to the homeowners association meeting. I, I guess I, I did the first time. When I was the first time homeowner... In a, in a townhouse and they said, okay, homeowners association meeting. Well I felt very important, <laughs> I gotta tell you. But after that first meeting, I'm like, wow, I don't wanna do this again. <laughs> it's just a bunch of people get together and they and and they, uh, they they bitch and moan about this or that complaint and they, you know, one person there's always one homeowner by the way, and you know what I'm talking about. Who always has to do things their way, and they demand that they be repaid for everything that they've ever put in there, and of course, and they shouldn't have to pay their homeowner's dues. And, but that's putting that aside, okay, why would you want to be there day after day on a full-time basis, no less, uh, you know, nine to five, five days a week with maybe one small vacation in the summer? I mean, what, why would anyone want that for themselves? Even if you are paid, it's, that's all you're doing is just complaining, finding a way to make more laws.
1: The homeowners association that meets the least does the best. Yes, absolutely. Just right. like government. That's He's right. Because it is government.
0: Yeah, we should we should be more like the homeowners association. But we're not really here to talk about that today. I, I want to talk about the, the nature of government and, and the way that Obama is handling it. And we just talked about how he he has more of a feminine approach to leadership. And that's uh, that may not be appropriate uh, here in this particular circumstance because... The masculine nature, well, it's, when you think of masculine, you think of protecting, right? Now I know there are a lot of moms out there who no doubt would say, what are you talking about? I would protect my son and my daughter to the, to the death and such. Okay, I get that. I know you would in a pinch. But we're talking about the father. The role of the father, when you think of it, is he's standing at the doorsteps and making sure to protect his family. And he's the first line of defense. And if their mother is there, he, the first thing he says is, you know, Sally, get, it, get the kids and hide in the, in the attic. I'm going to take care of this myself. Right? That's, that's the image that you get. And that's the way it should be, by the way. Somebody needs to be protecting the kids making sure that they're safe.
1: Up in the attic. Well, I handle business with Mr. Smith and Mr. Wesson. <laughs> that's right. My, my, my partners. <laughs> the law firm of
0: Laurie uh, Smith and Wesson. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's it's a, a cool short name for a firm. I think so. It's a, it's a short-lived partnership, but nevertheless one that's highly effective. All right. So you get the idea. Now, but let's let's look at a couple of things that are happening in the world, to, under this paradigm. First, immigration. Okay. Immigration huh, is a situation was totally unraveling. In fact, I I find it so depressing, Ari, that I can't. Uh, I I often don't want to talk about it because the the borders are so porous right now. They are – this administration has recently sought to um, ban or uh, block the the deportation of 5 million illegal immigrants. And not only that, but also to invite them to have driver's license of their own so they could have more readily access to the um, uh, electoral system that we have here. Okay, so and the welfare system, of course, and, and the, and the public system, all the, and ha- the education all system, all the handouts. Oh, and the medical system. Sorry, all the goodies to which they are not entitled, and this is this is what he wants to do. So, you know, that's hardly protecting the country, right? It's it's instead it's this notion of well, we want to take care of everyone, right? Everyone who uh, is suffering in whatever country they're from. Well, then by golly, they need to come in, and we'll take care of you.
1: It's the feminine approach to dealing with a bully. The masculine approach is someone's bullying your son. You tell your son, next time he bullies you, punch him. Right. Just take him out. That's right. And the feminine approach is, you know what? You need to find out what you're doing that's making him bully you. Yeah. And you know what? You need to talk to him. And you need to be nice to him. Because if you're nice to him, he'll respect you. Right. No.
0: Unclench your your fist, you know, so long as uh, they they stretch out their hand or whatever it might be. So this is is the way that he thinks, and, you know, and that's putting it very, very charitably because the other interpretation of what he's doing is, no, I want to have as many illegal immigrants here, and not only that, but also to um, vote uh, in the process so they can more likely than not, vote Democrat, right? So that's, it's what we call in this country, what's the legal term that I use sometimes? Oh, yeah, cheating. <laughs> okay? I mean, these are not registered voters, and you, you just figure, well, if I promise a lot of illegal immigrants to come into the country that, that they have a right to vote, well, then by golly, uh, you know, everyone's going to vote Democrat. I mean, that's obvious. And um, cheating is not a stranger to them. This is it's part of their a stranger. It's their main strategy. It is. It's it's
1: the first thing they do. Yeah. But let's focus on yeah. the you, fe- you just I want to
0: throw. Out. Most
1: people try to win the game first and if that's, that's not working, then <laughs> <Right>? we <Well, laughs> no, cheat. Right?
0: They cheat first. I I I don't like cheating and I think it it, it robs you of the, the sense of the game, but it's it, it is interesting and because I do want to move from here. It is interesting how uh, a lot of the Democrats won't even think for a moment about the, how unfair it is that Republicans are targeted, for example. During the whole thing with the IRS scandal, the, the debate, the discussion was, gosh, that sounds really unfair. We really ought to look at this and, and make sure that this never happens again. No, no, no. The, the, the response to it was, well, it's happened a couple of times to liberal organizations too. Never mind that it didn't. But that was their response. Right? That As they, if it was okay that it happened to liberal right. organizations. Right. So it, they just didn't get away with it. Yeah. Right? That, that's, the, that's the point. Uh, had they gotten away with it, well, so much the better. That's their approach. Okay. The, so the feminine style of leadership versus the masculine style of leadership. And uh, what we're seeing with immigration, again, putting it very charitably, is at best uh, simply deciding, well, I just can't imagine a world where uh, we... Deport people—that just sounds so harsh—and putting up a wall. Uh, forget about the cost of associated with that. But just—is that what we are really all about? Aren't we a welcoming country? Okay, so that's that's a that's a nurturing attitude, isn't it? Okay, and that's all going to become to our destruction. Just like the, the the example that you gave, Ari, of dealing with the bully by being nice to him. Well, guess what? The bully is just going to just wallop you. The only answer to a bully is to beat him back, right? Okay. Let's take another angle, and this one is uh, where masculine leadership is necessary, and that is dealing with not only ISIS, but with China and other countries that are rearing their ugly heads for power throughout the world. Now, we've talked about ISIS quite a bit, uh, Al-Qaeda and all those other monstrous entities, but ISIS in particular, that's growing like a cancer throughout. The Middle East uh, killing people randomly, raping women and children, enslaving of course in the process, torturing horrific, horrific crimes. To say nothing and and perhaps we should say something about the horrific genocide that's going on against Christians throughout the Middle East. This is not even a blip on the Obama radar until someone points it out to him. Like the the Yazidis, remember them? Okay, well they were nothing until somebody forced his hand and said, "You got to do something about this," and so so he suddenly had to deal with it. And for optics purposes, that's all the only reason the the whole response that Obama has to ISIS right now is all for optics. It has nothing to do with actual effort, any actual effort to actually destroy these monsters. Period. Okay, that just understand that, and then you you understand Obama really well, and you understand why ISIS is succeeding so well. Because, because this president doesn't have a masculine sense of leadership, okay? And again, that's putting it charitably, because some other people would say, and I'm not about to poo-poo it too much, but I think they need more evidence, some other people would say that he's purposely doing as little as he can for, um, for the purpose of enabling ISIS and other enemies of America to actually grow, that he actually wants this to happen. Okay? Um, Now, I don't think there is evidence for that, but I can tell you if somebody wanted to write a playbook about how to uh, diminish America's power and increase the power of its enemies, well, this is the way to do it. Pretend as if you're doing something, in fact, you're doing nothing. It's like those uh, those movies you see all the time, Um, you know, don't give me that money. No, don't, don't, (laughs) right? Passionless, of course, in the process. And there's no passion in this, in this war. He has no interest in winning this war. He he insists that there will not be any boots on the ground when we all know that the only way to win a war, especially this kind of war, is with boots on the ground. I don't know of any air war that has ever succeeded in the history of mankind, at least since the, since the history of, of air war in the first place, right? No.
1: Well, an air war that didn't only succeed in superficially, temporarily, Stopping an enemy from being able to walk amongst on his streets before a ground force came in and solidified the victory. Right, exactly. No, it's, yes. it,
0: the ground force. No, that, that's my point. Is that you cannot win a war solely with air power. That you're you're agreeing with me without yes. realizing it. Um, that's it's called mopping up. You, right. you, you need to soften the ground with an air power, absolutely, hit the main targets, weaken the enemy, and then you send in your ground troops. The okay?
1: way a guy like George Bush did in 2002, 2003 in Iraq, where you won the battle in 20 days?
0: Yeah, something like yeah, that. that. It was a clear, a very demonstrable victory, and good for him. Now, um, other people will say, oh, well, it lasted a lot longer. No, that, that was the mopping up. Part of it, and then we of course got rid of Saddam Hussein, and we and we did have success in that war. Yeah,
1: and then a lot of the problems that were where we got casualties was in nation building, not just occupying. But that's a different conversation. That's yeah. not what we're talking about here.
0: No, it's not. Yeah. Okay, so the the ISIS situation reflects the way he's dealing with it. Again, charitably is a very feminine approach to it, which is do as little as you can, try to work out and reason with them to some extent, and um, and and just is th- think that you're being efficient, but you're not. And
1: yeah, not being decisive. I think is the most well, but, but, you know, he, he, idea of yeah. of what you're saying the ma- the masculine feminine divide and in the actions you take. He's not taking just strong decisive actions. Let's get rid of this. Let's do this now. Right. be done with it, and then figure out our feelings later.
0: That's right. He's he's lacking in the masculine sense, which is you gotta you gotta go in their full force, and just tell them who's boss and and make no apologies for it. Okay. Then somebody will say, "What does that look like, Mr. Lurie?" I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like, you know, sending in some troops and understanding that there's risk involved and killing some a lot of bad guys. And then their response is, "Oh, I don't see you sending your, uh, your your children to war, Mr. Lurie, and you're not going to war, so therefore you have no right to say anything like that." Well, first of all, how do you know? Okay, I would I would be glad to go into a war, a battle against ISIS, for one thing. I would be glad to send my my, my ultimate teenage uh, teenager or twenty year old 20 something son into battle as well, so long as I knew that the America that I love so much will back me up and will send other people just like me i, I don 't want to be the only one doing it mm. i don 't want you to squander whatever victory you, we might have, sir. Look the way that Obama plays this uh, this game is like some uh, novice who plays chess. We talk about chess a lot right. And it, it, novice chess players think that they're doing well when they take a pawn. Oh, I got your pawn, or I got this piece or that piece. Not seeing the bigger picture whatsoever. Because you can take pieces here and there and think that you're winning. And, and literally, people will think well, that they're winning because they have more pieces. A four-year-old will tell you that if they actually know how to play chess. I've got more pieces than you, therefore I'm winning. Okay? No. Nothing to do with that at all. You've, you've got to understand that you have to really strategize this out and not just hope for one minor victory, which gets squandered uh, the, the next week. And we saw this in Ramadi, right? Here's a town which changed hands, and then when we took it over, uh, everyone was very excited about it. And then, of course, the next week, they, the bad guys took it back. And then they said, well, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's a blip on the screen, and it's not, not strategically important. Hell, Hell, yeah, it is strategically important, first of all. And if, even if it weren't strategically important, it's psychologically important as well. But this administration, this president in particular, has no understanding of the way uh, how, to, how to actually fight a war. And, and, and I can say that even though I'm not a general myself, uh, even though I haven't fought in a war myself, I can tell you, being a, a student of war, a student of history, and a student of chess, that you will never win a war, ever, without passion, without the passion to actually win it. No war fought by the Americans, no war fought by anybody successfully has been one where the, the, the winning side, you know, it just kind of go th- goes through the motions. Never. Okay? Yeah, that, yeah. that much I know. That's experience for you. That's wisdom for you. Yeah. Can I make two quick points? Yeah. I think this
1: is important. You brought up the argument that so many liberals say when conservatives like us have opinions about battle and they retort with, well, have you ever been in battle? Yeah. How many issues, well, I, I hold didn't... on, hold on. How many issues do liberals open their fat traps about that they've never been involved with? How many liberals have gotten an abortion? How many liberals have gotten arrested? Right. Okay. How many liberals have worked on an, uh, cleaning up a, uh, an oil soaked beach? Right. But they have plenty of opinions on that. Right. It's completely irrelevant. Right. And the other thing that's so important about that point that's never addressed is ever since America went to an all volunteer army, or actually, before we went to a draft in uh, sometime after world, uh, in the World War I run-up, and after we got rid of the draft post-Vietnam, before Gulf War One, those were the two eras that we had the most effective fighting forces, yeah. because we weren't drafting people who didn't want to be involved in it. Right. Okay? Right. So the the, the nature of the all-volunteer army, which goes part and parcel to freedom, has resulted in better armies. I th- I think you're right. And and it's the feminine notion that to be fair we have to draft people from all economic backgrounds the willing and the unwilling right. and and it's only resulted in us sending uh, our our children into meat grinders of of battle and losing so many more people and not having as effective fighting forces. Well yeah look look the whole so, point, yes. point is that that yeah. argument goes to your entire point about this this episode which is that in itself is the feminine uh, ideas of fairness that's so cloud is
0: full of clout judgment, judgment yeah. on these kind of issues. Yep, that's exactly right. Look, I mean, it, it, and, and the assumption when they say, I mean, think about the question when, uh, or the statement that they make. Well, I don't see you be willing to throw your son into battle or yourself into the battle, Mr. Lurie. Like, think about the assumption that that makes, right? That, first of all, I'm not willing to die for my country. But guess what? I am. I am very much, thank you very much. That's one of the few things I'm willing to die for, right? I'm I'm willing to die for God. I'm willing to die for America. I'm willing to die for Judaism. And I'm I'm willing to die for Israel, too. And, of course, it always goes without saying I'm willing to die for my family. But if you don't ask these questions to yourself, what are you willing to die for? But they don't don't have that. That's a masculine thing. Uh, Women are always seeking to avoid confrontation. And that's fine. That's a very feminine thing. Right, and I, I know that in my own—not family... women, the feminine mindset. The, the, to be but clear, gener- the feminine
1: generally mindset. women, but there are women who. Well, there's always exceptions. Know, right.
0: right. We, let's not get let's not get bogged down in in the generalized argument that they often try to stick us with. Even in, in my own family, the the women when when uh, my brother and I have a heated discussion about something. Um, usually politics of some kind or the other. You know, it's, to us it's just normal for my brother and I. And he's got his his uh, points of view, and I've got my points of view, and and we duke it out. And but you can see our sisters uh, cringe a little bit. They they just don't they, they they don't want conflict, and they try to distract us into a different topic. And you know, it's it's sweet. I mean, I it's pull you aside and say, "Bro, can't you just lose the argument to him so we don't have to have this conversation?" Well, no, that's another thing altogether. No, no. That, that's not what they say. They, 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 they say, uh, you know, they, they, li- they literally change the subject. Okay? And, and that's okay. That's what a lot of women do. Okay? They don't like conflict. And so the idea of conflict, of going into war, that's the ultimate conflict. I mean, you, and you might die in the process. It's one thing for people to argue. And, you don't you know, you don't like contention in, in a discussion. But it's another thing altogether when, you know, you're going to die. So I understand that they, that's the last thing they want to do. But yeah, I am willing to die for this country. Yeah, I am willing to fight, so long as you back me up, Mr. President. Okay, and, and we don't have that attitude. All right, then the other area in the world is that, and, and the inability to understand um, the masculine and the feminine nature of, of leadership is China. Okay, and I, and I bring up China, not just because of China in and of itself, and Russia, and, and Saudi Arabia, and all the other concerns that we have, and Iran. Because the, the masculine nature of leadership is to constantly be ready for all issues, right? To understand that if you focus your efforts too much on one area of, of uh, the battle, you're going to lose in some other area of the battle, in this case geopolitics, right? So we, we've been focusing so much of our efforts on Iran, for example, and the, the, the nuclear treaty that he, he fails to even think for a moment that other countries in the region, such as Saudi Arabia, um, are, and Syria for that matter, and Egypt are, are, are gonna be interested in getting their own bomb. But that, that's of no consequence to him. You see, consequences are part of leadership. You have to see the, the, the many things that, that are going to pop up and you need to know how to deal with them. One of the greatest leaders in that department was Caesar, Julius Caesar from the Roman Empire. His men loved him, and he had a combination of understanding the needs of his men, the morale of the men, keeping them well-fed, well-paid, and giving them a sense of purpose, and also knowing when to fight, when not to fight, okay? By contrast, this president has nothing of that perspective.
1: No, they Zero. send our best troops in to fight Ebola. They send none of our troops to fight ISIS. Oh,
0: thank you. You know what? I, I, thank you for reminding me about that. It's a fantastic example. A fantastic example He has no sense of perspective And that's again Back to the chess thing Sometimes You let that pawn of yours Get taken Okay Even the bishop Even the rook Because you need to go For a bigger prize Called a checkmate
1: And it's it, The world Like the chess game Isn't a game of position Like football It's Although there are aspects Of football That are related to chess It's all about The puzzle pieces Being in position To work together And that's not right. block each other
0: Yeah And, and, and one, one of the One of the problems that that Obama has gotten himself into is that, in his effort to think that he can control everything, he ends up controlling nothing. And he also broadcasts that he won't send in troops here, he won't send in troops there. Um, He wants to minimize America's involvement throughout the world. And as a consequence, the world says, cool. Uh, And China, in particular, says, cool. Russia says, cool. And just about any other country that wishes to have any sort of hegemony... uh, Hegemonic. Uh, Hegemony. Impulse. Hegemony. Thank you. Uh, it just is delighted about this. And look what's happening with China. China is growing its military by leaps and bounds. It's it's creating islands in the Pacific so that it can launch um, and, and just basically set the status quo if push ever comes to shove. Yeah,
1: for their entire theater in the South China Sea. Entire. The they,
0: they, will, they will own the theater. Yeah. And, and Russia is seeking to do the same thing. The only problem with with Russia is that it it, it lacks, it's uh, it's losing its oil revenue. But it'll find a way. It'll get back into the full swing of things. Yeah,
1: they have a whole bunch of nuclear weapons. They can sell the Middle East. Absolutely. Business is good.
0: But and, and think about how.
1: This, this simple little thing that you just said, uh, when Obama speaks, he telegraphs exactly what he's going to do, versus a president who, early in his administration, takes decisive action. I don't mean shooting Bin Laden or shooting a pirate, but real decisive military action, where, where the whole world sees a president bomb the heck out of something. And then, every time later in the presidency, all the president has to say is, oh, I'm thinking about bombing that. Everyone says, oh, I'm not, not us. Right, exactly right. He, and exactly it, it, right.
0: And it keeps the president from ever having to do it again. Yeah, actually. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta really be very careful about what you decide to attack, and uh, and if you do attack, Mr. President, you need to go all the way. You need to show all the passion that is necessary to win a war. And what you've done, Mr. President, instead is you've, you've you've committed as little as you could for the success of the fight against ISIS and you've only emboldened them and as a consequence encouraged recruitment of ISIS and they're just getting stronger and stronger and the rest of the world particularly the the powers that have actual weapons like China and Russia are laughing they think it's hysterical this whole thing and they'll take advantage of it they will explode it till the cows come home
1: like low-hanging fruit
0: yeah and, and when it comes to ISIS, you know, it's interesting how Obama talks about Guantanamo, uh, Guantanamo Bay about it being the best recruiting tool for the bad guys, right? And therefore, we should close down Guantanamo Bay. You know what, putting aside the fact that he has zero evidence for that, right? It's not as if there's been a single uh, Al Jazeera report or a poll or, or ask any, any Arab on the street uh, who, who has, who's disgruntled with America, the reason why they're joining ISIS or Al-Qaeda is because of, of Guantanamo Bay? No. I'll tell you the reason why. Because they perceive America to be weak and because America is letting them have these very small victories that are becoming big victories. That, my friend, is what creates great recruitment for even a bad guy army. The masculine versus the feminine style of leadership. The president shows that there is no such animal as a leader that can both nurture and protect. You see how we went there, Ari? From the micro to the macro. But it's always true, and it always will be true. Mr. President, be a leader. Be a man. This is Brock This has been the Brock Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you real soon.